we're in the middle of a series looking at our church values, so we're in week two. So we're spending um, a couple of weeks looking at each of our uh, values, and so this is the second week of Pursue God. And last week, our senior pastor, Matt, was talking about, um, you know, how essentially, like, you know, we can feel like our, the, the end point that we want to reach and the start point, we can get those confused. And like I mentioned earlier, that... Um, God came in the form of Jesus Christ, not for our best, for it, but for our worst, and uh, miraculously brings us into a relationship with Him and makes us makes us right with Him. And so, you know, we were talking about earlier how, you know, when we say pursue God, we can really only pursue God because He has first pursued us with His love. And so, as we kick off, like, just want to remind us all that, you know, that. God is real and God is knowable and God desires relationship with you. And uh, that's going to look different for different people. But at the heart of it is that, you know, we centre our lives around the gift of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to hear um, from these amazing two people. I'll introduce them in a moment. And going to kind of talk about that idea of pursuing God and what does it look like to have a relationship with God. And you might come in and you are just like absolutely firing. You're just like, my relationship with God has never been better might be a season in your life where it's like it has been better and it's a bit of a struggle and, you know, that, that is part of life. Maybe you've never, you know, explored this idea of having a relationship with God and I'd, wherever you're at, I'd encourage you this morning to keep your ears appealed to, you know, maybe what you can take away and go, I, I actually might, I want to try that in my life because um, our pursuit of God, our relationship with God is never finished and in his amazing power, there's always more for us. Just when we think we've got this sorted. God will mess up our lives and uh, kind of give us more of himself, more of, more of himself to meet our needs and more of himself just to simply bless us in our relationship. So uh, in a moment, can you put your hands together, please, for Hayley and Joel. Hey. You wouldn't know to look at them, but they were really nervous early on. They don't look nervous at all, do they? I don't think. I've seen nervousness and, oh, you're not, you're not even going to say, I cannot even talk right now. All right. So, Joel, uh, welcome. Thanks for coming along. You're part of our um, Barrow campus, like PM service. That's where you call home. And of course, Hayley, you're here at our Moolap congregation. Joel, would you kick us off? Give us a bit of um, the Joel in a story. Uh, thanks, mate. Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. Um, nice to see you all. A few familiar faces out there, which is cool. So, um, yeah, my name's Joel. Um, yeah, I've grown up at Barrable Hills. Um, a uh, family of four kids, um, mum and dad, um, and my two two sisters and a brother. Um, <clears throat> we grew up in Geelong West. Uh, for I lived there for about six years, and then we moved out to the country, out to um, a town called Maud, which is sort of near Bannockburn. Um, and ever since I was a kid, I, I've always loved God's creation. So, I, you know, every time I would play as a kid, I would set up Noah's Ark and I'd get two, two of every animal. It had to be the right sex. So the lion had to have a mane and, and the lioness didn't. Um, and from there, I just, I've always loved agriculture. So I've, you know, when I was a kid, I've had um, a couple of pigs when I was 12 and I bred them through high school as my little side hustle. Um, I've had chickens and yeah, so um, yeah, I've always felt this calling to just be involved in agriculture and growing food, and that's what I'm really passionate about talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And growing up in a Christian family, and so you've got a background of faith there. Um, bit of a, you know, what, would you just skip forward to us a bit? How, you know, um, your Christian faith's been ticking along. In 2018, something changed for you dramatically, and as we explore this idea of pursuing God and where is God in our everyday lives, a mm. bit of a gear change for you in 2018. <clears throat> yeah, so... Um, 
2018, I was about 19 years old and uh, I was figuring out, you know, what I was going to do with my life. I was enrolled at uni and doing that up in Melbourne, but um, I started volunteering in Norlane um, with Norlane Community Initiatives um, through, the, through the Baptist Church in Norlane. Uh, and I made a few cool connections and I ended up um, meeting, uh, making a good friend with a guy called Lockie. Um, and we created a little grassroots backyard organisation as such. Um, I think you're being diplomatic there, Little. I think we've got some photos here. If you yeah, imagine true. Little backyard um, like yes. garden set up, there is uh, Russell Court. Look, want to be? There yeah. we go. That's good. But if we've got this next one, this is... Um, tell us a bit about this, a whole backyard, mate. Yeah, so, um, yeah, in Norlane there's quite a, um, quite a big backyards, as you might know, um, so there's, that's, that's my fiancé now, actually, Isabella, in, in the garden. Uh, we ripped up, it was really, if you guys have done gardening, you know about cooch grass, the worst grass. So it was all cooch grass, so we, we uh, actually got on our hands and knees and, and pulled it all up um, and turned it into, like, pretty standard market garden rows. Um, and, yeah, for me, that was an amazing experience. Like, it was pretty challenging neighbourhood, um, you know, Norlane is, if, if you don't know it, it's in the, the north of Geelong. Uh, it's one of the most disadvantaged neighbourhoods in Australia. Um, but, you know, I've, I've found over the years that poverty really does exist everywhere, um, not only in places like Norlane, but in Norlane it was, I found that it was much more unhidden and it was much more um, to bear. And um, But alongside that, there was also this, deep desire in a lot of the people that were coming to our project um, for a sense of hope. They were looking for hope. So it started off, Lockie and I were, you know, young, passionate about growing food. Uh, we did grow a lot of food, but it, it, the focus really shifted from food to community and we hosted a lot of markets and um, it turned out, turned out just being like working bees where you just have a cup of tea and just chat and stuff. So... Um, yeah, it was really to address social isolation in the end was, was the real thing, yeah. Mm. And that line, yeah, you know, they were, they were looking for hope and that's true of each and every one of us, not just a particular suburb or a particular people. And so we'll come back to that in a little while. Do you want to – people might be interested to know actually how many chickens you had growing up too. Uh, yeah, well, in, co- in COVID, uh, so I was, I was living here but I moved back home uh, and me and my mate started a little chicken business. We got up to like 600 chickens at one point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it got a bit out of hand. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, love, love stuff like that. Yeah. That's good. So we'll get back to <laughs> Colonel Sanders in a minute. Um, now, Hayley, um, thanks for being willing to share as well. And uh, we've got a photo of uh, your family up here. There you go. There's Alex and the, and the two kids. <laughs> Joel mentioned about, you know, God by his grace, there's moments where God opens our eyes. And so, Joel, that tr- change from you going like, oh, this is God's got me here to all about healthy food and helping people practically, but it was really about something far greater. Do you be able to give a bit of a context around that, Haley, as to, you know, um, you know, your experience of God opening your eyes and uh, in, in your relationship with him? Thanks for having me, everyone. You're a gracious bunch, and I'll probably get nervous and turn red and everything, but bear with me. Um, I guess one way I tune my ears and eyes to God is through a spiritual practice called Lectio Divina, and it's something some of you might have heard um, a little bit about, but it's basically where you take 
a scripture or a verse, and it's not a study on the context um, of that scripture, but you read it and you ask God to highlight to you what he wants to show you. And then you sit quietly and wait on him, wait on him to speak his truth to you um, or what he wants you to know, what he wants you to hear. Um, and it's something I actually do with my friends because I am a busy mom and I don't get a lot of quiet time per se. So um, I do it with a few friends and um, it pulls me away from my busy life and gives me space to just hear from God what he wants to speak to me in this season about my children, about him, about all sorts of things. And it's really encouraging to do it with other people because um, you get to see him work in their lives too. That's great. And, you know, you, 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 you threw in that word, that tr- truth there, like, you know, finding truth. And in John 14 in the Bible, Jesus says to his followers, like one, one of them, it's actually Thomas. If you know anything about the disciple Thomas, Thomas is a realist. Like Thomas is like, no one is going to be pulling the wool over my eyes, okay? Like I'm not just going to take this at face value. I need to explore this for myself. And Thomas is confused about how what it means to follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying like, I'll prepare a way for you. And then Thomas is like, no, what does this look like? And Jesus declares and makes his promise to Thomas where he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And, you know, Matt touched on this last week about sometimes that's the knowing the truth is actually um, God by his grace revealing who we are and our need for him. And so would you share a bit about, you know, that idea of truth, how you've experienced God bringing about truth about who you are in your life? Yeah, so alongside Lexio, I also... um have participated a lot in a prayer ministry. And um, when I was in my early 20s, I lived in Dallas and I met with a group of young people and we decided to train in a type of prayer ministry, inner healing ministry. And that meant we were meeting every week and praying together. And this type of prayer was really about, um, you know, sitting with someone in their pain in the discomfort and asking really hard questions that can identify what they're actually believing. And if that's not true, if that's a lie, um, asking Jesus to come into that prayer meeting and speak to them right then and there. And, um, and it just really transformed my life in a lot of ways. Um, the main lie, (laughs) it's a very close to my heart thing, but the main lie I believed growing up was that I'm not lovable. And I might cry (laughs) because um, that stemmed, and in this ministry, this is where God transformed that lie for me. That stemmed from my relationship with my dad. And many of you have seen my dad was just here last year for 12 weeks just loving me. And when I go back to my childhood, my dad was very angry, very shut down, and had four kids in four and a half years, and had it really tough, and, um, and would yell at us a lot. And to me, I didn't feel that he loved me, and I didn't experience that he loved me. So for me, as a young child, I came to the conclusion that I was not lovable if my own dad couldn't love me. Um, And so fast forward 20 years later, I'm in my prayer session um, in those memories of my dad yelling at me and Jesus um, just speaks to me. And actually the, the, 
the visual it gave me was he just pops out of my dad's chest when my dad's yelling at me and he's playing with me and making faces at me saying, I see you and I know you and I love you. Um, And there was many prayer sessions that came after that, that he reiterated that message to me, that that lie was not true about me and that what what is true about me is that he does love me and I am lovable. Um, And so that truth has... You know, in Romans 12, talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is a process that God did to renew my mind and transform me. And then in other ways, transform my dad as well <laughs> to the point that we can, you know, um, yeah, be together and he can come here and it not be a really painful, hard time. It's just the evidence of that truth um, played out, which is so cool. Yeah. You were saying earlier, like, you know, the, the, sometimes the very thing that we want to cower away from, but God actually wants to go to the most important thing and start there and transform us, yeah? Yeah, and that's exactly it. With this, um, this prayer ministry, it was often the very uncomfortable, painful experiences. And, and, um, but over and over, every week, we would sit there and, and um, do this with each other, and we would just see Jesus show up over and over to the point that you're just like, I know what he has for me. Just ask me the hard question. Like, I'll be uncomfortable. I'll embrace the pain. Like, I know he has peace on the other side. And I know he has that freedom on the other side. And I want that so bad. Um, it's so worth it. And that's it. Like, it's, maybe we've been guilty at times of going like, oh, I'll come along to church. And maybe without realizing it, we pursue comfort. You know, we would come in and we would hear something that encourages us. And of course, that's true. But I wonder at times where we need to hear that just as much, that we're the people where we gather and we look, turn to each other. And if some, one of us says to the other, God has re- revealed something that is uncomfortable for, about me, that is true about me, that we're the people that say, yes, we will gather around you. Because that, you know, we had this passage before on the screen, like uh, from Second Corinthians, where Paul says, we take every thought and make, obedient, make it obedient to Christ. Like this idea that we, we don't want to, we don't feel like God's called us into a church family or a relationship with him where we're, we're willing to settle for anything less than the absolute truth and the absolute best that God has for us. And so I love that. Thanks so much for sharing because I, I, that, I'd say that's our desire together, certainly mine, that we'd be a place where we go, it's okay to be uncomfortable and wrestle the big questions to the ground because that, that is why God has given his spirit for the tough times, for the things that we don't maybe want to know about ourselves. Thanks so much, Hayley. Um, back to you, Joel. You know, there's, um, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 10 that talks about um, God transforming us and changing us and you know, to grab these, uh, when we were chatting earlier, you threw out these kind of gardening terms of like vitality and refreshment, but they can also be true of our hearts, of our souls. Would you be able to share about that for a moment, yeah, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, my, sim- my story is similar to Haley's. Like uh, when I was at, um, in Norlane over the two-year period, God really revealed to me some lies that I had spoken over my sort of theme of my life. Um, and so the first year in Norlane was really amazing. Like, um, there was just a real buzz about the project. Um, and, you know, everyone was coming out from the woodwork to give us a hand. Um, and like, we'll, you know, talking about soil, we were getting like lots of food was being grown. Um, we were having these amazing harvests of all kinds of vegetables and, 
uh, yeah, it was just amazing. Like we we're, were giving a heap to the Vietnamese community and the Korean community, and it was like becoming this amazing conduit for conversations with different groups of people in Norlane. And um, and then um, sort of the second year was a lot harder. Um, I guess a bit of that energy from Lockie and I, who you know, it was the whole project was set up a little bit unsustainably. It was like quite. Uh, like in reliant on our energy um, and yeah I guess God started to really peel back some of the the pages or peel back some of the, the curtains I guess and reveal to me um, how I was sort of doing all this without him um, and um, yeah so I, I was and it was interesting in that second year talking about soil uh, we just we didn't get very good um, harvests. You know, all of our um, tomatoes just suddenly get this random disease. Um, and, yeah, it was it was quite metaphoric and also literal, this idea that um, we'd been harvesting and not replenishing the soil. Um, and I referred to, I don't know if you guys have ever grown a pot plant and neglected it, like, for years or... Hand, even... Hands up who's neglected and managed to kill a <laughs> pot plant. It yeah. feels like they've got the spiritual gift of killing yeah. plants. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's right. So that that's, I mean, that's sort of how I felt. Like I felt like I was soil that uh, couldn't really grow anything. And that was my personal uh, feeling at the time. Um, and if you do have a pot plant, one thing you can do to restore it is to just soak it in a bucket of water. Just dunk it in water. Uh, and God really revealed to me over that time that that was what, I needed to do as well. I needed to soak myself um, in a living water. And I discovered that through prayer, um, just one-on-one. Um, at the time, all this kind of crisis was, you know, um, you know crisis of faith. I'd, I'd been, um, been baptised a few years earlier, but I hadn't really known this about, like, this intimate relationship with God. Um, and it coincided with my um, fiance Isabella, she was um, in the process of giving her life over to God and that can be quite, you know, it can be quite a challenge. Um, and that really woke me up in my faith. And, um, you know, the one verse that really stood out to me over that period was, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's Psalm 91. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. And that's really what I experienced, um, you know, I found, uh, a, you know, a peaceful place, a refuge where I could come and find sanctuary. But there was also this almighty fortress that also um, was my protector and my strength. Um, and it was, that, I think that verse really sums up that period of my life really beautifully, just the revelation of receiving that. And from there, I just started discovering these amazing revelations about God, like the fact that, um, you know, his love for us, is so massive that Paul tells us to pray to to grow our hearts so that we can just fit more of that love in our hearts. And another thing was just mercy. I'd, I'd sort of felt really ashamed of a few things that I'd done and a few patterns in my life. And, um, you know, I just discovered that God wants to give us mercy more than we even want to receive it. And that really just blew my mind. And, um, yeah... 
Yeah. And that imagery of the pot plant you're sharing, like it's great, you know, where you can kind of grab a watering can and the, the soil around the plant is so hard that it just beads off, like nothing even soaks in. And that idea of your words were like, oh, you came to recognise that replenishment and restoration um, in our relationship with God takes time. Like we live in an instant society where we go, I'm going to grab the watering can, oh, like this plant's going to flourish. Your experience was over time, like God is faithful, but wanting us to pursue pursue Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely discovered that. Um, yeah, talking about instant society, that was really a theme in my life. You know, God, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Um, and you know, God comes where He's wanted, and so I just discovered that I needed to cultivate that in my life and. Um, you know, a few minutes here and there of prayer didn't wasn't really working. I needed to like actually surrender over every every part of my life, and as soon as I did that, you know, stuff started to change, and uh, I just felt like I could do anything again, um, and all things are possible in Christ, as it says, and it felt like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And you, you had this phrase the other day when we were chatting where you're just like, oh, to pursue God sometimes feel like, feels like it goes against everything within me. Would you just be willing to share a bit more about that? Because I feel like we can identify with that, you know. We live in a society and everything is pushed up against, you know, our desire to grow in a relationship with God, can't it? Yeah, yeah. I found, um, well, even now, like pursuing God is really hard. Like I found it really hard. Um, and part of that is because it's not really that common in our society anymore, I feel like. Um, you know, we all got our little different idols that we're sort of following, but pursuing God goes against the grain a lot of the time. Um, and I just felt like it would sort of at times go against everything I wanted to do. You know, when I was tired, I really needed to, to pray and, and be replenished through that. But instead, I just watch YouTube or like, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, it was a good coping mechanism um, and I'd feel sort of better, but it wasn't really like this deep renewal that I really needed. Um, and I had a quote from John Tyson, who's a pastor in, in New York, and he just put it so clearly. He said, like, the enemy wants to do everything in his power to keep you away from his voice of love and that his main mission is to divert you from resting your head on Jesus's chest. And I felt that in my life. Um, I was I was made busy and, um, yeah, I just didn't have time for that and, and, and the enemy made it really difficult to do that. Um, but, you know, God broke through all that and broke those chains and... Um, yeah, that idea of cultivating desire. I just found like every every minute that I spent in the secret place with God praying, it strengthened me for another two minutes. And so it just, the, my passion sort of grows. Um, yeah. I love that. So I feel like sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is have a plan, you know, is to have a plan. Like, you know, the... The equivalent would be like, oh, you look at your garden and go, I just want something to grow. And if you don't have a plan and you don't have a strategy, then nothing's going to grow. Or maybe one in a million chance it will grow, like, but it's not through your good planning. Like, and that's what I think sometimes we can miss where we're like, you know, just planning and going, oh, I want, I want to be intentional about, about creating time and space for, for, me, for me to hear God. Mm. Because I hear you saying like, oh, God is really faithful in speaking to us. It's just, as Matt said last week, like it's not that God is absent. Sometimes yeah. we are. Yeah. Sometimes we are. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I have sort of struggled through this whole period, just, I don't know, just in life in general. I hope I'm not the only one. I've just struggled with exhaustion and, like, apathy. I felt like just kind of I enjoy just cruising through life. But I feel like I've also been called to bigger things than that and that um, that that posture is actually diminishing what God has called me to do. Um, but I just felt too busy to spend time with God. And that's when I really um, I discovered a story about um, the patron saint, Susanna Wesley, who was, I think, there's, yeah, there's a painting of her up there. Um, she was an amazing woman. Um, she's known as the mother of, of Methodism, um, or the, sorry, Method, the Methodist movement. And uh, she never preached or never, you know, wrote or anything. She was just known for her prayer life. Um, she had 19 children and she'd experienced a lot of grief. She, nine of those children had died um, as infants. One of them, I just found out before, was accidentally suffocated by her maid. So watch out for your maids, everyone. Um, but, uh, yeah, what she would do was, you know, in all the chaos, and her husband was often in prison for, you know, all kinds of reasons. What she would do was, in the chaos of everything, she would say, kids, I'm going to the secret place. And she'd, she'd have this big apron and she'd chuck it over her head and just sit in the in amongst the chaos and just say, kids, just give me a second. And, um, you know, her prayers, you know, really changed, like, our whole population because she was the mother of Charles and John Wesley and um, they were revivalists and touched many nations. Um, And that really inspired me. I was like, well, I can pray in the garden. I can pray when I'm driving. You know, I can... When, I won't chuck an apron over my head while I'm driving, but um, you know that that just that kind of posture was just a, so inspiring to me, um, and that just encouraged me. Like I'm not that busy, really. I can I can I can do this. Yeah, yeah. that's so Worth good. It. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Thanks, Joel. You know that idea that God is so gracious in wanting to speak to us and desires relationship with us that He is so patient in you know our wanderings and our you know doing whatever we want to do. And Haley, um, I know you got a bit of a story around this um, where one New Year's Eve God got your attention um, too in a really uh, um, I'll say eye-opening way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a story. <laughs> um, as a precursor to that. Uh, I had walked away from God for several years um, due to various reasons. And, um, and then that December, my, some of my closest friendships broke down and I just fell into depression and I was really, really in a low point in my life. And the years prior to that, I just really tried to understand God, but I just was in like a cloud of doubt. And I just couldn't get it and, um, and was really frustrated with that and found myself constantly just resisting him. Like people would try and explain him to me and I would just be like, nope, you don't get it. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of resistance. And, um, and I would make New Year's resolutions. And so that New Year's, I thought this is a pretty bad life. So I'll just open my hands to God this year um, and just see instead of being so resistant to him. And like a month later, I had no friends other than my dog. 
and I was really depressed and down, and I thought, I need some good friends, so I'll go to this church um, where there's some nice people. And so I went to church and got involved in a small group, and I told the small group leader, like, I don't believe in God. You probably don't want me there. I have a lot of doubts. He said, so do I. Just come. Um, So I went and um, was pretty open about my resistance to God, but not where I was at inside, in my heart. And, um, but I kept going because I felt they loved me well. And anyway, um, aside from that, aside from going to church and small group, the rest of my time was spent at uni and drinking a lot. Um, So St. Patty's Day came around about a month later, (laughs) which is a good time for a drink. Um, and I was out with some uni friends drinking, and my mom calls me and says, um, your dog's tummy has turned over, and he's gone to the vet, and they're going to operate, but he will probably die tonight. And as I said, he was like my best friend, and he was a massive Rottweiler, and he would just hold me in my bed, and he was the best. And so that news was pretty... um, just flung me into more drinking and um, loneliness and, yeah, just sadness, I guess. So I had one too many drinks and went home with a guy. Oh, I forgot a part of the story, sorry. Skip back. (laughs) I missed church one Sunday because I was visiting my sister, and I was away from church. And that Sunday at my church, a woman happened to get up on stage and say she had a word from God for a girl named Haley. Very important part of the story. <laughs> and I wasn't there. And, my, and no one got up. There was no other Haley there. So my small group leader went to her and said, oh, there's a girl that comes to my small group and her name's Haley. And the woman said, oh, it must be for her then. And she handed her the card that she had written the word from God on it. And... So I came back into town, go to small group, where's my word from God, you know, let's hear it. And she had forgotten it. And I was like, okay, it's obviously not that important. And she said, I'll send it to you. So fast forward to St. Patty's Day. I'm in this apartment. It's the middle of the night and my phone flashes. And so I get up to get it thinking it's about my dog. And it's the word from God. And it said... Haley, you are in a season of doubt, darkness, and depression, and you are nearing the light at the end of the tunnel, and I will bring you out. (laughs) And I just thought, no way he could know this, or some woman could know this, or in this moment, for him to meet me, my darkest place, he must be real. Um. So, thanks. <laughs> so I, I ran out of there. Thought, oh my gosh, like God is real. How exciting! I have found Him. He has found me. Um, but not long after that, the shame set in in my lifestyle. I felt so ashamed that I had walked away from Him. That I had doubted Him. That, yeah, it was a very, next few months were very hard. I almost drank more out of that heavy place of shame. And, and then one day, I don't even remember when, I think I was 
at church and I was praying to God about this, you know, like just feeling like, how could I have done this to you when you were real and you loved me the whole time? Um, and he just gave me a vision of being in a tunnel like the word. And you know how you can have those visions where it's like a movie, like you're almost in a movie and it's not just a picture, it's a moving vision. Um, it was like that where he zooms out and I'm in this dark tunnel and that's all I can see. And then it zooms out and I just see Jesus sitting on top of the tunnel, just banging like, I want her out. I want her out. Like, I love her, and I don't want her in this dark place. And then I see him reach in and grab me, and I step out of the tunnel, and it's, you know, it's light, and he just puts this robe on me, and he just says, I have grace for you. Like, I don't have this dark place for you. I have grace for you. And that was the first, that was the first time I feel like in my life I really understood grace, that I needed that so bad. And it was so freeing. It was like, cool. <laughs> I can be with you, and I don't have to be anybody. I don't have to go fix everything. Um, and so he grabs my hand, and we turn around, and I look out, and it's just this, like, dry desert wasteland and, um, and full of holes. Just everywhere is holes, and they're just holes to more tunnels, and Jesus says to me, like, you can go in any tunnel you want, or you can just walk with me. Um, and, yeah, that was the vision, and that has stayed with me 10 years on now, that I just want to hold his hand and walk with him and fumble through life trying to do that. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much for sharing. I'm going to invite us all to stand because I've invited Haley to pray that over. So if, we, if you'd be happy to stand together because I just think that's a great way for us to land today because that's not just a truth. That's not just a truth for Haley. That's a truth for each and every one of us. You know, how many tunnels would we go down or feel trapped in when the invitation is that we could walk with God? And so I'm going to invite us. Why don't we, why don't we close our eyes just now? And um, Haley, would you lead us in prayer? Thanks. Lord, you are so good, and we just we thank you for how you pursue us first. Um, it's just so beautiful to have a shepherd who comes after us. And we can just open our hands to you and tune our hearts to you. And um, you are there. You are already there. And that longing for you or that sense of your absence is our longing for you. An appetite for you to meet us, Lord. And I just pray that you would do that in each and every one of us. That you would continue to walk with us. To meet us right where we need you. That you would help us to pursue you despite all the busy things and our failings and everything that, um, as Joel said, that we would just, you would grow our hearts so that we can fill it with your love even more. We just thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.